What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds, of course, is a part of the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And this is essentially a one-topic show today. We are joined by the usual cadre of bandwagoners. We've got the live studio audience, Mr. Saturday Night himself, Mr. PC Tunney. We've got the Reverend Raymond S. Cashington III, Esquire in the house, and the lawyer himself, the other OG bandwagoner, David Ungar, all here. We've all seen Wakanda Forever, Black Panther. Wakanda forever. We, I'm excited because there are varying opinions on the film, and that makes for good podcasting. Now, to be clear, we're going to talk a lot about how wrong some people are. Um, 
I think I, as, as the person in question, I've even, like I said, I queued something up just for you. I wrote that I, I made this five seconds ago just for you. So I hope you enjoy this one. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. And I even managed to pull it from your favorite sitcom, Tony. So I was I was happy to to do that for you. And his his, uh, his microphone's up. So anyway, he knows he knows he's he's just he's 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 giving us a group. But before we get to Wakanda Forever, and no, Tony is not the only one who is going to be wrong. Of course, we all know Raymond S. Cashington is frequently wrong, as is David Ongar, and really the only person who is right is usually the 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 man himself, the the curmudgeon. Right, studio audience? Yeah, see, they know. They know what's up. Because it all comes back to me. But before we get to Wakanda Forever, we are going to continue our discussion of Lock and Key Season 3, the 33-minute episode that was. And I'm sure that actually excited the entire bandwagon at this point. 33 minutes of Lock and Key. No no more episodes longer than 40 minutes. The very last episode is exactly 40 minutes long. So we, we got that going for us. We are going to take a brief trip to the trailer park, recognize a legend in the voice acting community before spending the majority of our time with a Black Panther Wakanda Forever roundtable. This episode of course, will not be spoiler-free because of that. If you haven't seen Black Panther, when you get to the second commercial break, might as well just shut the show off now if you don't want to be spoiled because we're going to spend the lion's share of our time talking about this movie because it's two and a half, hour, two and a half plus hours of film, and there's a lot to unpack in that movie. But before we get to any of that, Dave, how are you? Actually, yeah, you went to Vegas. How was Vegas? What'd you do in Vegas? Did you, did you hit the tables? Uh, we hit the slots a little bit. Came away with like a yeah, you did two hundred. Not the sluts, slot. not the sluts, Pat. The slots. There's lots of slots over there. There's in Vegas sluts and slots all over the place. So yeah, um, now yeah, we we came away with like three hundred bucks or something like that, which I'm not going to sneeze at. That's all right. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, got to go to the. Go to the club. My wife's firm footed the bill for that. Got a private table. I'm not going to disclose on here how much that costs, but let's just say a lot less. Can I? Can I just? Half can time. I just say David Ungar? David Ungar at quote the club does not really strike me as like that. That visual doesn't quite compute. Well, man, it's, I, it's, I, five, it's, I it's dance. five grand for a. It's five grand for a bottle, basically. Yeah. Well, you know, you're not. You are in the. Uh, let's say you're in the ballpark. Tony, that is for sure. But yeah, it was fun. Got to golf. First time I golfed in Vegas. Shot. Good deal. Played good deal. pretty well. Actually, like the if interesting, like the uh I played with a representative of the Washington State House of Representatives and didn't realize oh. that until like we were talking on the back nine. He was with these other guys and, and they wanted to leave to go back with their wives and we were all getting along. I said, Hey man, I'll give you a ride back to the hotel. You're right across the street from where I'm staying. So so yeah, he was he was good. They're going to play in St. Andrews in June, Tony. So I think that's that's really kind of cool. So they were good, and uh, it was it was a fun time, man. It was a uh, it was a good time, and um, yeah, I mean Vegas, we weren't there that long, but um, yeah, good. Got came home, went right to the theater, saw Wakanda forever. Can't complain. 
Excellent. That's how dedicated so, I am to you boys. I know. You just didn't want the movie spoiled. I, I understand how that works. Now, Tony, I did actually want to give you a little bit of a floor to talk about Saturday Night Live this past Saturday. I I think this is one of the few SNLs that I'm actually going to jump on Peacock when it shows up and watch the replay because the clips I've seen from Dave Chappelle hosting this past week is some good, good stuff. Now I've only seen like the Fox and friends clip and pieces of his monologue. So I tell us, tell us about that episode. If you caught it, Ray, you nodded. Did you catch it too? Yes, sir. All right. So floor is yours to talk a little SNL before we get into it. Well, black star was the musical guest as well. So there's another reason to show up and, and watch the show. Um, definitely. Uh, most F is like one of my favorites, but anyway, Chappelle's opening is awesome, which it always is. He's one of the best standups of all time. Then there's 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 some other things I want you to catch on. I want you to watch Weekend Update, but I don't want you to watch it for Colin and, and Che were pretty good this week, but they had two guests on um, Marcelo Hernandez, Hernandez and Sarah, um, Sherman. Sarah Sherman both did wonderful guest spots on weekend update and some characters and they just knocked it out of the park. It was awesome. The crowd was fucking lit, but it was a Chappelle crowd. Um, and then Mikey day plays Dave Chappelle's part in a skit where he has to say the things that Dave Chappelle would supposed to say in the skit. And you can take your mind down that road as well. So yeah, well, it's just Dave Chappelle. He's had great, um, Saturday night lives before, they really put the cast members in the right pieces this week. I thought everybody did a really good job. Music was good. Yeah, one of their best shows in a while, but it's it's Chappelle, man. And if you love Chappelle's show, you definitely need to watch the House of Dragons spoof. All right. Well, hey, I, I again, I, from what the footage I've seen so far, I am all about this. And I do not regularly watch Saturday Night Live the way Mr. Saturday Night. Okay, so. Listen, I'll I'll tell you this. Saturday Night Live skits are a lot like baseball uh, batting averages, right? You know, thirty percent plus on a is a good season for them when the skits hit at that rate. Well, when you have a host like Chappelle and there's a few other handfuls, you hit it at a much higher rate. And almost every one of these skits was just hilarious. Excellent, excellent. Well, I will be sure to check it out, and you all should too, Ray. I, I actually don't know what you've been up to, so I have no segue lead-in for you other than, how's it going, man? I have just returned to my home from Wakanda, where I received my documentation to become a citizen. Oh, no, okay, well, I'm good. You're, you're no Winston Duke, sir. Oh, well, I never will be. Trust you sound me. like you could I'm have been sure, on the set of Cool Runnings, though. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> was, it, was it more Jamaican than African, really? <laughs> Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Get on up. It's bobsled wow. time. Wow. Here's cra- Dave. crazy coincidence. Just today, as my son was sitting in our Christmas tree box, pretending it was a car, I was like, you know what I haven't watched in a really long time? Cool running. And he was like, what the heck is that? And I was like, son, let me tell you about a great movie that is a fictionalized account of a true story. It it may be a great gateway drug into John Candy for the kid. I'm thinking. That would be a good one, yeah. If I were really to look at it. 
before I Uncle put planes, trains, and automobile automobiles on him. Uncle Uncle Buck. Buck and, yeah, I, uh, I'm more of a great outdoors guy, mm-hmm. oddly enough. Between the two, like I like Uncle Buck a lot, but great outdoors and the old 96er is like my jam. So, all right, enough of that. Enough of the introduction stuff. The little O'Dowd is actually standing over my shoulder. You can't see him because of the... There he goes. His face is in and then faded out into Captain America's chest with the uh, with the background. Now there's a thumbs up. He's still trying. He, he's like, look at me. It's like some dude on the news trying to get into the, the, the podcast here. You, your time will come later. Paranormal oh, activity hey, sort of hey, conjuring hey, hey, conjuring hey, vibe going on there. Just hands dare. coming out of nowhere. See what you're doing. Don't you even. Don't even. Those are mine. Kid is trying to get into my checks mix, y'all. This is breaking podcasting news. Daniel, no! It's like She-Hulk, fourth wall breaking, everything going on. 100%. He's laughing in the background. All right, let's let's get uh, let's get lock and key over with uh, Dave and, and Tony because once again, we're th- this this is episode six of the final season. We got two episodes to go, and I'm not gonna lie, we the only reason we are not doing both episodes next week because i'm not here next week oh so you wait until like we're almost done and then you're like oh we can't let's just finish it up and then you're like no no i'm not here so we won't do that here's why why did you even say anything you're like oh i was gonna take you for ice cream but now i'm not going to tony and i I will gladly finish it off this this is exactly why i told you because that response is what you go for. And as the original chair shot villain, Dave, I, I even, need to be that guy. Don't even cover Lock and Key next week. We just save both episodes no, for get, Patrick. You're, you're gonna, you guys are going to do you're that gonna, thing you're where get you out of talking about Lock and Key because you're in charge. You're going to suffer with the rest of us, mister. I don't want to get out of Lock and Key. I, as the person in charge, I'm telling you to skip the episode. I don't understand what happened here. Anyway, I love stirring up the pot. So, in 33 minutes, this episode was 33 minutes long, and boy howdy, is it just trying to get to the end, right? Isn't that what it feels like? We are just trying to get to the end. Like, Bodhi's back, yay! Nobody cares. Um, Suddenly, Sam, like, it took me a minute to remember who the fuck Sam was. And I was like, wait a second, I had to, like, look at, oh, he's the one who killed their dad? Shit! Oh, and he's been a ghost the whole time, and now he's in the body of this the colonial dude, and uh what, whatever, what, like just pulling shit out of thin air at this point to resolve things. Um, God, boyfriend, what's his name? I can't even remember his name. Josh, Gosh. if they find Gosh. if they if they find or create like a reset key, and this all goes back to like the beginning, I'm gonna I'm gonna write a strongly worded letter to Netflix. It was all a dream. It was I don't want to say, say publicly what I really wife. wanted to say in it because I don't want to be held accountable. So I will just say that I will write a strongly worded letter to Netflix. That's right, but, Netflix. You have been warned. You have been warned by Mr. Yeah. Saturday Night himself. He yeah, is you've been warned. You how it is. I, I don't know. I don't trust it. But yeah, like this episode was 33 minutes where they just sort of did like. We, we got a little bit of a plot in, you know, plot wrinkle. Now there's a, a yet another key that nobody knows about that's in the head of somebody else, one of the original kids that we've not talked about in two seasons. And suddenly, oh, we kept it in this person. I, I'm 
this is why if I was here next week, we would do both episodes because I'm done. Like I'm done. Uh, and it, this was like the, I was on the verge of done. And in this 33 minutes, I was like, the, what the fuck? That we'll cover fun. it. Josh, let's just, Josh, let's just do it Josh week, is just Dave. okay. Josh is just okay it. with, no, 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 no. I want to be in. I want to be in on this. I got to be in on this. I, I kind of want to hear what O'Dowd's reaction is going to be to the fight. We'll do ne- we'll do seven next week, Tony. But I want I want to save the end for Actually, Pat. You know, all we can do in a filler next week is we can have Ray update us on the adventures of Cristobal. Yes, there you go, Cristobal. Next week, Ray, we want to know what's going on. Uh, the the fucking the the cre- creation key might be in Cristobal's head, Tony. For all we know, I mean that'd be a cool no. plot to it. That would be better than what we've got so far. No, because a certain curmudgeon of the bandwagon doesn't appreciate my story so no but i'm not he won't be, here, be here next week so you can oh, tell well, your story yeah, yeah. The of yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. all right i i'm gonna say this about i i have been you know a little less <laughs> emphatic about fuck this shit than you guys have been but i kind of reached that point this week where it's like all right let's get this over with this is just like the acting has gotten, like Tony said, the acting is bad. The story's bad. The special effects are garbage. Um, what if they knock it out of the park the last two episodes? Come on. They won't. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, stop yeah. it. Everything, everything, just, like, just stop it. Like Pat's saying, it feels like we're just trying to get to the end. Everything's in, rushing. In fact, in, in, respo- in response to that, Tony, I just got to say. Wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. The episode will be shit. Both episodes will be shit. They're shit. I mean, like, like Bodhi coming back. What what, did we ever even get? They, they break out the animal key, which I don't think we've ever even seen used in the first two seasons. No, no, the very, very first episode of this this season. This season. Yeah. Very first episode of this season. They are playing around animals. Yeah, they were right. What, like what, that, what, that was established. What does the key even uh, do? What, they <laughs> open a little to open that door where you can go in and out as an animal and come back a human. So that way, when he became the the bird, he could come back in through okay. that. That's why he has right. a better idea. It's, it's, it's yeah. taking some so real told, liberties with the plot, but okay. Well, so yeah, so we are supposed to understand that. And this I'm just is explaining thing, it 30, to you. I didn't say I liked it. Right. I appreciate it, Tony. Well, Thank and here's you. the thing: is in this 33 minutes, Bodhi goes from "fuck you, I hate you, you killed my dad" to "well, I, I guess I forgive you because not forgive you, but I'm mad at you, but I'll do what you say because Grandpa, Grandpa, Grandpa told me to to go talk to him to learning how to control birds." to flying one of the controlled birds into the house so that he can possess the controlled bird, that then he can fly out as a possessed bird to go in through the door, using the animal key, thus bringing Bodhi back. It's so contrived. It's so twisting itself into knots to make itself make sense. It is is, is terrible. Is is terrible. And all of this to get to a showdown that has very little at stake at this point. Yeah, this it just does. It, nothing feels earned. No, the stakes nothing are all bullshit. It's all manufactured. Nothing's on the line. It's just garbage. Right. And, and even like Josh just accepts keys like in demons and shit. Like he, you know, he gets shot. Says, oh, no, I, I believe you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, nobody's died of consequence. Like so many opportunities for a 
a character that matters to die, please somebody die. You know what, Bodhi? Fucking kill Bodhi. Bodhi wow. die at the end. All right. We got an episode title. Kill Bodhi. Kill Bodhi. Cristobal kills Bodhi. There you go. That's what we I do. can't. I, I'm looking forward to hearing what Cristobal did in episode seven next week. So that'll be very, very exciting. And I'm disgusted with this show enough that I think we should just go into our first commercial break and come back and go to the trailer park because my God, by the way, I forgot to mention happy episode one of season four, as Dave likes to say. So good job on the new music, Dave. I'm sure it's amazing. I sure it will be. Yes, exactly. Yes, so. it's a beautiful. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I loved it, and I haven't even heard it yet. You we are going to take I, our first so commercial. That's cool. I look at you. Well, you've been in Vegas. You've been golfing. Maybe Crystal Ball wrote the music for season four. We just don't know. It yet. sounded like it sounded like industrial country. Industrial country, Icelandic country music. If it sounds like industrial country, I give all three of you permission to kick me in the balls repeatedly. So there, yeah. Dude, oh my god! Did you guys watch the college football, the Michigan Nebraska game where the dude took the helmet in the nuts? I saw man. Yeah, and then he got power bombed right after it. Dude, that was a brutal. Oh man! So, well, who, and, who was uh, it? Was it Alabama and, and was it Alabama and Ole Miss where the quarterback nearly got decapitated? <laughs> that was rough. College football was a rough, rough landscape this week. So anyway, completely everything to do with nerd stuff and bandwagon nerds and the things we talk about. Uh, be be sure to catch us on our bandwagon nerds football podcast uh, at a future date. Anyway, we are going to head into our first commercial break. When we come back. I'm going to put Tony through a trailer park that he has absolutely no interest in participating in. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshop.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, Podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds. You have just listened to us eviscerate a 33-minute-long episode of Lock and Key Season 3, which means it's time for a break to head to the trailer park. And Dave... You know what that means. It's time for you to play that beautiful banjo.
right. Welcome. No, no, no. Put the put the invisible banjo away. Put it down. Put it down. No, 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 no. You can you can drink the beer. You can keep the beer. Keep the beer. Drop the banjo. Keep, keep the beer. Bring the, drop the banjo. All right. All right. So welcome into this week's trailer park, and we are into the holiday season now. The the calendar has turned to November, and we've talked a little bit about various holiday movies. And there's a trailer I, I'm looking forward to to seeing soon. Uh, the Rock apparently is doing a uh, a holiday movie of some sort with J.K. Simmons playing Santa Claus. That trailer I don't think is hit yet. But a trailer, the other big trend that happens this time of year is after Halloween, we get this spate of horror movies involving Christmas, whether it be things like Silent Night, Deadly Night, or this first trailer I give to you, Christmas, Bloody Christmas. Now, this is an independent film, clearly, where an animatronic Santa Claus has gone crazy and is killing people. It's very, very Terminator-esque. Santa has laser eyes, guys. Tony's face says it all, right? I wish we were showing video for this as his face says it all. Tony looks like he's going to go see this thing in the theater. I can't wait for him to go. We're going to go. I'm going to fly out to Milwaukee. We're going to catch it together in 3D. Can you, Santa with laser eyes in 3D? How great is that going to be? It's going to be like the lasers are coming right at you. This movie looks ridiculous. Let me just give you a little bit of foreshadowing, okay? Our 3D showing ended up being a regular showing, by the way, yesterday. So that didn't really start me oh, off. Too. That's oh, why no. he's don't like the movie. That's the whole reason. No, that's yeah, not it. I knew you were going to say that. I get it. What I want to say about this trailer is if you want to have um, a violent Santa-killing entity that does good for mankind, well, you got that. And now if you want to have a violent killing Santa entity that does bad for mankind, now you now you have that. So whether you want good for people or you don't want good for people, you, you have your choice of Santa killing people movies this holiday season. And what a wonderful time it is to be alive in, in the year 2022. That's Amazing way time. That's Amazing way too time. fucking diplomatic. Time. What that, the fuck? That was, that was terrific. That's outstanding. Uh, ringing endorsement from from PC Tunney right there. It's almost like the options we're going to have for president again. Do you want the old dipshit or do you want the old dipshit? Which one do you want? Because that's what you get. You can have any color you want, Mr. Ford, it, Model T, it, this as, long a, as, it's, as long as it's old dipshit. This isn't a uh, political con- uh, podcast, so like you know, leave your old dipshit talk with the other old dipshits out there trying to tell us how to vote. Um, I didn't I didn't tell you how to vote. No, no, no. I know. I was, I was just throwing you. I was throwing your statement to the old dipshits who tell us how to vote. Uh, here's the thing, guys. I, I can't wait to watch this movie. It's the fucking Terminator, but it's Santa Claus. Oh, it looks hilarious. Like, and the movie looks like it takes itself very, very seriously. And, and it's, it, I'm sorry. Like, if we could get behind David Harbor as an action Santa star. And whatever that movie is that's coming out that we all talked about and, and we're like, this looks amazing. I don't see how you can't get behind a weird robot Santa that goes around murdering people who are naughty or nice because some experimental government robot got bought by a record store. It's awesome. Well, I apologize, but I think I've reached my killer Santa limit at one. So, I mean, Stop there's it. only so many killer 
Santa movies I can watch in one, in one season. I'm sorry. I'll take the one, one where he saves time. the kid over the one where he chops the kid in half. Hell no. I will see them both. And and for the record, if you think about it, the very uh, existence of Santa can kind of be scary. No one man should have all oh. that power, right? Yeah, we, we, we also aren't talking about the Krampus, you know, the other big part of, of Christmas folklore, the evil Santa. Dave, chime in here. Tell us why you're going to go watch the Terminator Santa movie, Christmas Bloody Christmas. I don't think I can actually tell you that, man. I I, I will probably pass on this one. It's, uh, I... I they... How dare you, gentlemen? How dare you bandwagon? Shameful. The David Harbour one looks fun. This one just looks a little bit too, um, I, I, it's a fun. It's a shutter movie, but I, yeah, I think I'm with, Uh, I'm with Tunny and Ray on this one, Pat. You're, you're on, you're on your own island of relevancy out there. So Pat's going borderline borderline Mickey Gordon here. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Can I, I do have another thing that I've noticed, by the way, in recent years with like Santa stories. Have you guys noticed this new trend? You know, we talked about David Harbour of like rugged, handsome Santa. Like you've got John Hamm being Santa Claus in the World Cup commercials. You've got whatever it is that The Rock's doing with his movie where, again, J.K. Simmons is a the Santa Red, Claus. So I think it's called The Red what Movie. Is, the Red Movie, I think it's called. Red One, I think. Red one, so it's like very much like a like an Air Force One sort of thing, like Santa as an action star. Like what what are we doing here, guys? Like what's going on with with holiday church? And and it's the funny thing is, well, it's funny because even like animated, like have you all seen the movie Arthur Christmas? So the movie Arthur Christmas, which has I think it's James James McAvoy in the uh, titular character, like he's Santa's son. And his brother is like next in line to be Santa Claus as it gets passed from from like Santa to Santa. And that brother is like super military high tech. He wears like camo. He wears like a camo Santa suit. Like tough guy Santa is like a thing now. And I don't I, I, I like my I like my Santa out of shape and enjoying marshmallows. Like what the fuck? What does best at the box office? Because I'll say it's still Tim Allen will be the biased box office santa movie well i i bet i bet his i bet his show gets watched like crazy on uh, oh yeah that's a show that's right it's that's a nine, right. It's a nine episode series so uh, or something like never that. mind bad bad question i thought that was a movie or maybe it's it maybe it's shorter than nine because it'll be done before christmas but it starts like in a couple weeks or maybe even right. like in Talk, a couple days we talked yeah we talked about that right so i don't know rugged santa or fat jolly santa dave I think I'm more of a traditionalist. Traditionalist, give me the fat jolly Santa. Those tend to make better stories. I mean, you know, making rugged Santa for this current generation of, uh, you know, I got to have my Santa to be like, you know, Call of Duty or Fortnite, or I'm not interested. So I get it, but I'm I'm more of a well, traditionalist. Let's turn it to the younger generation, Ray. Ray, do you like fat jolly Santa or rugged um, machine gun toting Santa? Fat Jolly Santa's cool, but I care about Santa's health and his cholesterol levels. So maybe it'd be good to have a Santa that's not obese and overweight. You mean the immortal being that that brings you gifts needs to watch his? If he that immortal, then man, make you get yourself a six pack, bro. 
if you that immortal. What's up? But you don't. You don't he need has a six pack, pack, Ray. It's just not the one you're looking for. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's a good yeah. point. That's, it's the one Tony's looking for. <laughs> it's a six pack of cocoa, you guys. Santa does. Oh. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. Santa, Santa's not a hard drinking. Actually, that's not true. The, that's the other thing is in the David Harbor movie, he's in, in a fucking bar getting a drink. Be like, I was there at the beginning. Well, what you think you're doing the other 364 days? He is resting his fat body on a Florida coast somewhere in disguise. Anyway, let's get let's let's move away from the Christmas talk. Let's head into another uh, series on Netflix that Dave or not Dave. Sorry, Dave is okay with it, but Tony is like meh. Because he's kind of done with The Witcher, uh, and this is the Witcher prequel series. Uh, we got a we got a full trailer for Witcher Blood Origins starring Michelle Yeoh. Which, by the way, Michelle Yeoh, Year of Michelle Yeoh, from Everything Everywhere All at Once. You know, see, that's where we began the year. We are now concluding the year with this four episode miniseries. Which, for my money, I love that it is a four episode sort of miniseries telling a tight story that that doesn't. You know, that invests in the lore of the Witcher following the story of elves, but isn't a full on season that, you know, you got to really commit to. And you don't see much out of this other than a lot of this is, you know, how elves came to came to face their downfall seems to be what the story is. Um, And Michelle Yeoh looking like a badass. I'm in for this. But then again, I haven't given up on the witcher just yet henry cavill notwithstanding guys uh we'll start with ray this time uh you you never watched the witcher right i've seen approximately right, did you one point it? i watched approximately 1.75 episodes disappointing so you probably not all that interested in this this trailer. it would i would be in it if i had watched the witcher I, but i just haven't watched it so it, it, it the stuff that would appeal to me other than the trailer being cool all you need to do is watch the. You need to watch the first season of The Witcher, and then you can stop. Then it's done. Oh, Mister Witcher, Mister Cavill, Dave, please tell me you're you're okay with this. I'm I'm down for this. Very much okay with this. I I I love The Witcher universe. I'm you know whatever's going to happen by season four, I don't care because I'm all in for season three. And if there's an origin story that's framed in the same universe the trailer looks interesting i know it's like oh yeah i forgot this was happening and it's like okay yeah this this one i'm I definitely more into this than the uh terminator santa movie uh, i'll say that but Blasphemy. i know but uh I, yeah I, I this this looks like it, it looks like i i like the witcher universe anything adding to the lore is something that i'm probably going to be interested in sorry tony but that's just me question because we've talked about this when talking about Disney Plus series. I think this is a great move by Netflix to, to have a four-episode miniseries. Uh, to you guys, good idea, bad idea? What do you think? Good idea. Good Dave, idea. we'll start with you. We'll go, we'll go reverse order this time. I think it's a it's an excellent idea. Yeah, absolutely. Smart. Sonny? I mean, I'd be more likely. Yeah. You, had, you were about to answer my question. Go ahead. I'd be more likely to watch it now because it's that instead of an eight, you know, eight episode thing. So probably still won't watch it though. Fair. Ray, do you think I'm going to, I'm going to change this question a little bit. Do you think Netflix is learning anything or do you think this is a one-off? Do you think other streaming services could learn from something like this? If this works? Well, yes, I don't. Any, anytime you do something that's that to a formula, 
unless you're making yeah. Coca-Cola, it's never really a good thing, right? So it's always kind of good to take things. Should have said Dark Project. Well, I know, but the Coca-Cola formula is like the lore of America. So, but yes. Dark um, but uh, more ingredients. More ingredients. Sure, but it's not locked up. You can go see it every day at the Coca Cola. KFC. KFC. Anyway, secret spices. Uh, as, as Tony continues to derail the question that I asked uh, Ray Gash, KFC herbs and spices question. <laughs> I, I but I just think you should take every project as project for, by project by project because everything doesn't need ten episodes. Everything doesn't need thirteen. Everything doesn't need six. And so well, the fact that they seem more willing to even look at that now, um, I feel like this is a one-off, but I hope that it becomes a trend later on. If if you could, we're going to ask this question the entire table. MC, if you could take an MCU series, and I'll even allow you to include the Netflix series, and reduce it to a miniseries movie sort of show, which MCU series would you condense? I already have mine in my head. I already know which one. Go ahead, Tony. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Get the fuck and out just, of here. Yeah, just, kick him out this damn call. What the fuck? You know, stop. Shame on you. You pot stirring motherfucker. Did you say, so you said condense? Yeah, like if you could take one of the existing MCU shows and maybe condense it. So a mini series, like a four episode mini series, versus what we got. What would you What would you have reduced? Man, well, there's only been like two that have been over six. Um, I, I'd imagine most. But I would even. Probably... But I would even argue a couple of those six episodes ones are too long. Well, I, I, I'd imagine the, the most popular answer would probably be Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, I I don't agree with that, but yeah. I'd imagine that's the most popular. Well, that Tony Tony we wouldn't, wouldn't agree with that. It looked like we wouldn't get the training session in the backyard with the gym mats and the garbage cans. I mean, come on, they could have, got, they could have cut that. that down to two minutes instead of five. I, 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 I'll tell you one that I liked. I liked the series, and I thought it was fine the way they did it. But I think it could have turned out a little bit different and more interesting in, in what we're doing. For Moon Knight could have been um, a four part, fifty minutes each kind of thing as opposed to as much as it was. And I'll, I'll I agree with that. Con- I I'll even more controversial. Too. Loki didn't need to be as long as it was. Oh, that was so entertaining though. The interaction between Hiddleston and 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 um Wilson is just I mean I could I could watch twenty six episodes of that. Agreed, but when you're basically like foregoing plot just for banter, not necessary. Who are you talking to? You see what I mean? Well I, but if I could flip it, if, if I could flip it, I would have had the defenders longer, because the what killed it was that it was it was a miniseries. Dave, what about you? If you could condense one, what would you condense? I, I think like Tony's saying, Moon Knight is would be a good one. Falcon and Winter Soldier, that's another another one I'd look at. Um, I'll tell you right off the bat, you know, I'm concerned about an 18 episode run for Born Again. I mean, that's that's going to be long, and and I think maybe a 10. Get that down to ten would be a sweet spot for that. We don't know what they're going to tell, but it's just like that's. Yeah, a you don't daunting, know. You don't know. This, it's hard. It's, it's a, hard to say it's too long before the series is hit. Yeah, right. It is, but I mean, just that's an intimidated number, though. That just standing here looking oh, yeah. at it from <laughs> from across the way, it's like, wow, that's uh, that's a hell of a story they're going to be telling. I guess. Yeah. To that point, can I go in the opposite direction and one series that I think needs more episodes in their next season, and that's She Hulk. Yeah. 
I think that could. I think I think that could sustain fifteen episodes. I don't at least a dozen. At least a dozen. I thought they were. I thought they were. I mean, she may. I'm not saying she won't, but She Hulk is absolutely a character who can probably be moved full time to the movies. I don't know. We'll have to see. If I were to condense one, honestly, I uh, would condense Hawkeye. I thought Hawkeye was a little too long uh, for what it was. You can disagree all you want, and. That's not to say I didn't enjoy Hawkeye, but I think it could have been condensed. Why are you being? Why are you getting mad? Like, there's like a whole episode where they just basically like hang out a house. No, Ray, he's shooting me with a bow and arrow because I think Hawkeye. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't look like. Hulk. It doesn't look likely for a second season of She-Hulk. Oh, that's yeah. We'll see what happens. The character She-Hulk is too important. She was like leader of the Avengers. She got the A Force. All this shit. I don't see that being a another secondary thing. But what a way to uh, well, put them together with another season and just keep gathering people up. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, I think that a half-hour law, uh, law comedy was was great. And so I, I think there is room for a second season. I think the important thing to remember is that the director and showrunner was really burned out from the experience on the first one. If you look at her interviews, she's probably the bigger hurdle to uh season two than anything all right last but not least i was greatly anticipating this last trailer dave i know is also anticipating this big trailer uh tunny is not a big fan of the main actor in this third trailer so and he's made it very clear he likes like exactly one movie with this guy in it who the fuck are you Uh, matthew barry one two sorry he likes two movies uh starring keanu reeves and but i i don't no, what uh, I don't understand what Tony doesn't see in Keanu Reeves, uh, and I love John Wick. I loved the John Wick series, and we got uh, our first trailer for for John Wick four. Uh, I'm forgetting the subtitle or the way chapter four or whatever they call it. I know Kung Fu. Here's here's what I'll say: if for no other reason than we finally get to see John Wick versus Donnie Yen's character. In a hand to hand combat episode or movie, that's that's going to be fun and awesome. And these these movies have been great, just sort of action fair with not a lot of challenging plot to get in the way. They're just a good time. I think this movie looks a lot of fun. I couldn't tell you five things that we know are going to happen in it based on this trailer, other than a lot of people are going to get beat up. By Mr. I know Kung Fu himself, Keanu Reeves. And maybe he dies? We'll, we'll have to see. I don't know. Uh, Dave, Ray, you want to take this first? Ray, you want to run with the ball, take the ball and run with this? Sure, I'll jump in. I've never seen John Wick. Uh, <gasps> never mind, Ray. Way to go. That just no, but I have, a, I have a genuine question. I have a genuine question. Genuine question. First you get booed. First you get booed. I get booed all the time. Like, come on, at this point. It's assumed at this point. Like, you ain't got to do it. Everybody know I'm going to get booed. Just say, Ray gets booed. Keep on moving. We know what's up. Come on, yo. No, genuine question, though. I know why he goes off in the first movie. Why he's still mad, though? It's it's not about him being still mad. So it's it then starts to get into the secret society of assassins that he's a part of. And he goes against the uh, kind of the shadow higher-ups and becomes a marked man. Like, that's really where the change it goes from this simple story of man pissed over dead dog and stolen car to 
this whole excommunicato thing. You got Ian McShane acting weird. It's awesome. I love it to death. Okay. Continental, the hotel. Yeah, that's, Dave, what, that's what sets it off is he violates one of the cardinal rules of, rules the, of the, the Continental hotel. and and goes sideways with the high table. And that's really, yeah. Like, yeah, like you're saying, Ray, the first movie is about revenge to a certain extent. And then it, it takes on a much broader scale. And I think, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I see. I, I, you know, I don't think Keanu Reeves is the greatest actor in the world, but his delivery and his mannerisms and the way he portrays John Wick is absolutely perfect. Just that delivery that he gives is, is that's John Wick. And, I, you know, I, I'm assuming this is going to be the last chapter. I know Keanu's getting a little bit up there as far as age is concerned. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, this looks like it's, it's offering him a possible way out one way or the other live, live, you get your freedom, die. Well, you're free in a different way, I guess. So, and, uh, th- this looks like from just the, the, uh, the trailer, lots of people are going to die. It's going to be a showdown at noon. And if you don't show up, you're going to get executed. So, Yeah. I've loved the John Wick movies. I can't wait for this one. Tony, do you want to comment on how you're not going to watch this movie? Because you hate Keanu Reeves. You know what? I just don't appreciate the <clears throat> shoot 'em up mind game movie unless it's set in a Western setting. And that's why I haven't enjoyed a lot of things Keanu Reeves has done. Point Break, excellent. Uh, Sweet November, excellent. Knock, Please. knock. Nobody knows about Knock, knock. Excellent. Don't watch it with your kids. I'm just saying he's he's fine. It, Keanu Reeves. Name me a time Keanu Reeves got into trouble ever, and he's been one of the biggest movie stars around. And all you hear is good stuff about him appreciating yeah, his he's fans. Fine. So he's be regarded as a nice guy, right? I mean, that's I I I give kudos to people like that because I think it's probably really hard to be a nice person when you have all that money and power. You can do whatever the fuck you want, but I, it just doesn't hit home for me. I'm, this I'm movie genre, uh, this movie genre doesn't really hit home for me. I'm surprised you're not a fan of uh, Walk in the Clouds, for example, uh, or Ted, you know, he Theodore did a Shakespearean. Logan. He did a Shakespearean turn. He was in Much Ado About Nothing with Denzel Washington and Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh. Like, I, I just I'm, Patrick I'm Patrick Swayze, Patrick Swayze, Charlize Theron, and two chicks banging him in his bathroom when his wife and kid are out of town. Those are those three movies. There you go. Okay. Wow. Yeah, you didn't know what Knock Knock was about, did you? Well, I do now. So there we go. And I think on that note, we'll head into our second commercial break. Before we do the recorded commercials, though, it is my duty to remind you that if you enjoy PC Tunney ripping on Keanu Reeves, except for three movies, if you enjoy David Ungar. And I don't even I don't even know. Or if you enjoy, you know, hearing Ray talk about crystal ball and, and want to keep us going on your internet airwaves, please, please head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in one of our many chair shot shirts. We have all kinds of designs to choose from, including I'm repping the brand today, fellas, the bandwagon nerds t-shirt. Get out there and purchase that. Help us. Maybe you just like the whole network and get one of those mini chair shot logo shirts that are out there. Maybe you hate Greg and you want everybody to know that there's an everybody hates Greg shirt for you too. These shirts cost $19.99, but if you're feeling fancy, 
want something that feels nice on your giblet, spend a few dollars more, get it soft style, your body will thank you. It takes a lot of work and a lot of hard, dedicated podcasting to get us out there each and every day. And we can't do it without strong support from our listeners. And the best way you can support us other than listening is to invest in us. And so head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in us. Please and thank you. Thank you and please, as one Christopher Platt would say. When we come back, we say goodbye to a voice acting icon and do a brief roundtable. And by brief, you know that's not going to be brief of Wakanda Forever. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. Gentlemen, Thursday or Friday, I can't remember when the news broke, we learned that one of the most significant voice actors of the last, well, I don't know, 30 years passed away. And we've, we've often, as nerds, had the debate of who has portrayed Batman the best and most of the time that argument is limited to things like actors in live action features like adam west or michael keaton christian bale robert pattinson in that conversation now but one other name has long been associated with the character on the animated front and that is kevin conroy and kevin conroy sadly passed away this past uh, week I do believe uh, in a in a battle with cancer, a brief battle with cancer. To to kind of give you an idea of the scope of how long this guy was connected to the Batman character, he was the voice of Batman for the original Batman the Animated Series and continued to carry on that voice work for that character through multiple future iterations of that animated character. So he was everywhere. He was also he also um, he even did cameos on other sort of shows after style. Like I think one of my favorite Kevin Conroy Batman cameos is from an episode of Teen Titans Go, where it's all about Robin talking about being stuck in a shadow, and they go to like this alternate reality origin story thing where 
Batman and Commissioner Gordon are standing there talking about how Batman saved the day. And he's like, well, I couldn't have done it without Robin. And it's, it's Kevin Conroy. And for many people, this is the guy that is probably most connected to the character in, in entertainment. Uh, and not just TV shows either, not just animated shows. He was the voice of Batman in um, the Arkham games, if I do recall as well. So mm-hmm. Kevin Conroy, you know, suddenly passing away at the age of, I think, 66, if I remember correctly. He was definitely, he was a little on the youngish side, but uh, 30 years uh, to, lo- to lose somebody like that. Reactions. To, to Kevin Conroy's passing, uh, we'll start this time with, uh, we'll start with Ray. I mean, it's extremely sad. Um, anytime a man, we use the word legend a lot, and in many cases, it's apropos. In this case, I think it's absolutely apropos because, uh, you know, we had a, a project a while ago. Where we were talking about our favorite of this or that or whatever. I can't remember what it specifically was. And um, we talked about particularly um, Kevin Conroy and who's that play Wolverine in the X Men? The character. Oh the, gosh, the I would. Well, give me a second. I'll look it up. Keep talking. Yeah, but but how those two guys, with respect to all the people who played them in live action, those two guys are the people you see in your mind when you think of that character, right? When you think of the character back, wasn't it? Uh, I was just agreeing with you. Uh, oh, getting I'm sorry. I thought you had it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I I, I, I want to give Cal, all... The name is Cal Dodd. Cal Dodd. Cal Thank Dodd you. Yes. is the name of Wolverine. I was going to say Clancy Brown, but that's Lex Luthor. Um, but, you know, Batman is one of the most iconic characters in American history. I think we, at that point, we could say that. Um, literary history, too, but specifically American history. And when you have the preeminent person that you think of when you think of that character, that's pretty high praise. Um, and he seemed to be the most humble and cool and appreciative dude. And, you know, to not be the guy to get all these accolades on screen, like Christian Bell had the great trilogy and George Clooney is like Mr. Hollywood and all this stuff. Just a dude that sat at his desk and did his job, but he'll never be forgotten. Um, he will be Batman as long as I can ever. N- nobody will ever usurp him as Batman to me. He'll be missed, but he damn sure won't be forgotten because I guarantee you every Batman that's come after him has shaped their Batman based off of what he did. Tony, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, for me, Batman is Michael Keaton, considering I've seen that movie with Pfeiffer and, you know, uh, Nicholson in the movie theater when I was a little kid. But in watching now later in life, a lot of the DC animated movies with the HBO max hub, um, I, I'm pretty sure that the killing joke was, he was, he was the voice for that. And, and, you know, you can immediately sense the Batman, you know, he understood the character and knew how to get it across just with the voice, you know, in accompaniment with the excellent writing for the animated movie and, and, and the, the animation with it as well, the way the story is told. But easily one of the, if you're going to just talk about contributors to Batman as, as an actor, top five for sure. Dave, to you. 
for from the standpoint of um you know i look at I look at a lot of stuff like batman and joker uh, and it, to me there's a dividing line there's a live action side of the fence there's the animated side of the fence and uh, you know i'm very much like tony you know looking at christian bale michael keaton on the live action side but on the animated side it's yeah kevin conroy did everything i mean the dc animated universe just about every significant Batman role that's ever been done was voiced by Kevin Conroy. You guys know how I feel about the Flashpoint Paradox. He was Batman and Bruce Wayne in that. He was Batman in, in Arkham, the Arkham series. He was Batman in Injustice, one of me and Ray's favorite uh, video games. Um, you know, he's from the animated side is synonymous with the Cape Crusader as Mark Hamill is as far as the Joker. And, is he uh, in Injustice 2 as well? I'm sorry. I think so. I'm pretty sure. Oh, um, but, point. you know, I read a lot of stuff. Mark Hamill had some great things to say about Kevin Conroy after his passing because those two worked so closely together for so long on so many of those projects that, you know, when you think of the Joker on the anime, you know, the Joker's the same way. Live action, you've got, you know, you, you, you've got the performances of Jack Nicholson. Heath Ledger, um, that sort of thing. But on the animated side, you know, Mark Hamill synonymous with the Joker. And so I liked reading some of the tributes that Mark had to say about him, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a terrible loss, tragic loss, uh, you know, great tributes all over the world. New York city did a great tribute. I think Pat, you posted the picture of the empire state building. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they flashed on the empire state building, the, the logo. Yeah. So, um, it's tragic. I mean, they're all, he's, he is, he is in many ways Batman for a whole generation of people. You can say he's he's Batman as much as any other actor has ever been Batman. You like there's there's people you can say that about I that. Would, I would say him, um, Keaton, uh, Bale. I mean, I would I would almost take it a step further, Tony, and, and West, give, I'd give Conroy even four. more credit than the other guys because live action Agreed. it's easy to portray that, but Agreed. to get that across voice acting for all these years uh, puts him, in my opinion, a little different level than the other guys. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. When you, just, it's just my opinion again. It's just my opinion again. When you when you close your eyes and think of of when you when you close your eyes and the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of a name. That's what is the preeminent thing to me. When I close my eyes and think of a name, I hear Batman's voice from Kevin Conroy. And I mean, don't, no disrespect to Adam West, Michael Keaton, uh, Bill, Kilmer, Clooney, whatever, this, that guy. It's Kevin Conroy to me. And I mean, there's no disrespect to anybody else. Your opinion is your opinion. That's fine. But to me, that's what that's how I think of the preeminent person for a character. And and maybe to you audibly is is more dominant and where to me maybe why I like 3D so much and tout it out is because visually is much more dominant. Not that both things aren't coinciding at the same time. So for me, like I trust me in watching the Killing Joke and everything else and hearing him and you can hear that in there, but there's only half the performance. I think it's more than I think it's more of the performance. I mean, you guys, guys, guys. I don't want us to fight over who's the better fucking Batman while we're paying tribute to a dead guy. That's fair. Like, that's that's not the argument we're trying to have here. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to kibosh that. Like, I hear what you're saying, Tuddy. Ray, he was was really really good. Rest in power, man. He'll be missed. From, From 1992 to basically last week, the voice of Batman 
in animated form was Kevin Conroy. And I am extraordinarily interested because it's not like we're going to stop doing animated iterations of Batman, but I feel like this is going to be an interesting challenge for whoever's next because it's not like the Joker. Like Dave mentioned Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill played the Joker, you know, as, as the voice actor for multiple iterations, but other people have done the character and done it well over time as well. You know, Alan Tudyk, for example, has has taken on the Joker. This is different. Nobody else has been Batman that I really that I could see uh, when it comes to the voice of Batman. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see who the next what the next actor's take is going to be. For the record, there have been some like a lot of these newer um, Justice League DC animated movies have been have not been Kevin. So there have been some. But the thing is, right. he, he his voice has been so unmistakable. People just can't right. do the voice. Didn't Nathan Fillion do Batman at one point? Nathan Fillion did. Was it? Did he do Batman or did he do Superman? Green Lantern. One I, of the two. I, they all did. Who knows? Yeah. No. And according to IMDb, Conroy's last voicing of Batman was for the uh, multiverse video game uh, that came out this year. So, oh. still he was still being used right up until his passing. In that character's role as well. All right. Lift a glass. Happy trails. Kevin Conroy. We're now going to move on to the crux. Yep, even I got a little. Of the remainder of our show, we're going to head into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and talk a little Wakanda Forever. So for those of you who haven't seen the movie, once you get past the Marvel opening music here, this episode will no longer be spoiler free. So if you don't want to hear anything about Wakanda forever or seeing the movie, uh, now's the time to hit stop. Hopefully you've left if you wanted to be spoiler-free because it's time to talk all Wakanda forever all the time for the rest of this episode of Bandwagon Nerds. Gentlemen, before we go into the nitty-gritty and dig down deep, I'm looking at Ungar, I'm looking at Ray. Just want to hear your overall feelings about the movie itself. So thumbnail overview. I don't want seven different plot threads that you loved. Sure. There's a ton of stuff that we liked. Ton, I, I see some nods, see some acknowledgement. I've already got Sunny going. This is going to be good. I will say, of the Phase 4 films that hit theaters, while this movie, in my opinion, has some flaws, it was still the best Phase 4 movie to hit. It hit me emotionally. And it helped propel the MCU forward into Phase 5. Dave, I cede the floor to you to start there. Uh, 
I would say it's not my favorite Phase Four movie because I still give No Way Home the advantage in that regard. So that's just me, Ray. Sorry, those two are one A and one B. Um, I think Wakanda Forever, like I said yesterday in the in the chat, it's an excellent movie. They did as well as anybody could have hoped for, given the impossible circumstances that they had to deal with. And I, I truly believe that Namor is tremendous. And I will leave it there for now. Brady Cash? I think it is a beautiful exposition on uh, the effect of grief. I think it is just goes to show that Ryan Cooper is the best at this shit. And the fact of how it, it continually attacks colonialism and how it affected the entire world. Um, and I think it's a masterpiece of a movie. I think it is as perfect as it could have been, much like Dave said, given the circumstances. I think it is a masterpiece of them. I don't know if he can hear us, but he's abandoned his chair. So when when Tony comes back, we'll get his I'm here. here. Okay, you're here. Give us your when you disappear, man. I don't know what's up. Oh, I'm always here. Always here. Sorry. Um, a voice that is. Uh, yeah. Uh, thumbnail overview. It's a yeah. it's a good it's a good movie with a lot of really good acting in it and a lot of really sentimental parts that hit real hard, and I enjoy. it very very much it could have been shorter i'll stop there for now well it's interesting because i'm actually going to explore that thread a little bit further right now in the moment because that is one of my quibbles with the film in that most of the time whenever ross was on my screen i didn't feel like he was necessary he always felt like an extra part of the original black panther uh i felt it more in this movie and that's not to say I didn't understand his purpose or why they had his character in there. I also think the movie could have gone on just fine without Everett Ross as a part of the movie. And, and I love Martin Freeman as an actor. But that particular character, every time his bits came on with him sort of trying to help um, Wakanda, it just did to me, that that really were the slow down moments. Those were my quibbles with the movie uh, when it came. Like that was my one quibble with the movie because everything you said, Ray, about grief. Like I cried at the very beginning of the movie when they had the funeral for Chadwick. I cried at the end of the, in the post credit scene with the with the big reveal, and I, I cried in the middle when when Angela Bassett goes down when Ramonda goes down. There's, there's one more moment where I cried and yeah. probably and this moment probably hit me the hardest of all three because I was expecting the first I was expecting the first one. The second one made sense in the story. But when Ramonda tore down a Koye and stripped her of her yeah. generalship, that shit hit me hard. And I don't I I think the word of a Koye as a character, I think the word of Danai Kudera as a actress and like even the the. um elder of the river tribe was like maybe we should give her a break like she did put a spear to her husband for wakanda right and then she was like well yeah remember when that bitch left me and stayed with the throne when i had to run to the it was just it was so powerful that is that is the angela bassett effect i know this is super hyperbole but a lot of people are throwing out possible oscar talk for angela and we talked about this a bit uh patrick and i know it's way too damn early but like that's the scene that I think will be remembered for her in this movie because she put her foot in that shit. 
Yeah, I um, yeah, I can't just dis- I, I don't disagree. Angela Bassett knocks it out of the, the fucking park, yep. like in, in her role and what she does. Like she's she's amazing. Uh, you know, having to carry the mantle of you know of queen mother, while also trying to help Shuri manage her grief, while dealing with her own grief, trying to just protect what she has left of her family at all costs. Than to lose, like you get it, like you empathize with her. Yep. You empathize with her from the second the movie starts, and she walks into the United Nations and brings those French mercenaries in and says, "We know what you're doing. Like, knock it off. Like, that's some great, great stuff." And yeah, I just and November is not too early to start talking Oscar because Oscar season is December, so we're not that far off uh, from from those sort of conversations and the way the Oscars are now with more nominees, it wouldn't surprise me at all if she got nominated as you, I think, as you said in our conversation for best supporting actress, like, I can absolutely no. see that. Cause uh, that's Letitia's I can add, Right. The uh, movie will get nominated 100% because they're nominating so? more movies. They're nominating more movies. It will get nominated for yeah. its significance. It and it's, and the, and the action, the, 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 the acting in the movie. To, to turn this sure. point real fast. This may be the one that can cross over because this movie wasn't was less about the action and more about the exposition and the plot. And that's right. This is very much the the burden of this movie. And and then I'm going to hand this over to Dave. The burden of this movie is twofold in the wake of Chad McBoseman passing away. It is the processing in a storyline, the death of T'Challa and properly grieving that and properly moving Wakanda forward complicated then with the introduction of an entire nation living beneath us in the ocean led by Namor. And I felt like for the most part, Coogler juggled that extremely well in telling the story. Dave, I'm going to let you talk uh, and then we'll roll the tunny. I, one thing you guys know, I'm such a mark for Superman. And, and there was a moment, there's a moment in this movie that I hearken back to uh, the original Superman from 78. Patrick will probably know about this, where Superman wrestles with the fact that, you know, all these things I can do, all these powers, and I couldn't save my father. And Shuri has the same sort of guilt that carries her through the entire movie. All this tech that I have, all these things I had, I couldn't save my brother. I couldn't bring back the heart shaped herb. So that one really resonated with me a lot. But yeah, talking about Namor because I, you know, you know, I, I do agree with Tony though. I think Black Panther gets nominated for Best Picture because, you know, to deal with the real world death of somebody so beloved as Chadwick Boseman and to tell it in a story and to have it kind of pay homage to the real world and what's going on in the MCU at the same time and pulling that off as well as they did, um, I can't think of another movie ever that pulled that off like this one did. And I think that's going to get recognized by the Academy, whether it wins or not, it's almost irrelevant, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, the part about Namor and I thought they, he, Ryan Coogler did a tremendous job of capturing the essence of, of a very complicated character in the comics. And you get to see how complicated he is, the relationship that, that he has, the, the desire to protect his own people at all costs. And at the same time, kind of sort of trying to forge an alliance with Wakanda, but at the same time manipulating Shuri along the way, poking, prodding, finding out the weaknesses. Um, 
and we only really scratched the surface of what's going on with the telecons. Is that it? I mean, I know in the comics, Telecon, yeah. I know in the comics, Telecon. it's Atlantis, you know, that sort of thing. And this, this took, took it in a, in a cool direction, but I thought, Oh, cuckoo. Cool, cool con direction. Yeah, exactly. But I, I thought this actor was uh, phenomenal. I mean, for an introduction uh, of somebody in a role that that's important, that important. I thought he just absolutely crushed it, and I, I love the interaction between you know the Wakandans, and the Talokans, and all that sort of stuff. I thought that was really intense, um, and they've really just kind of scratched the surface. I, I, I love the fact that you got the introduction of this new character brought in through here who I have a feeling is going to be immensely important in phase five. So that I, I love that. I love that part. It's just, it's, it's a, they did a tremendous job. I, I tend to agree with you, Pat, I, you know, Martin Freeman's character. Why is he in here other than to maybe, cause you got to figure maybe he's going to be the one to try and talk whoever is in charge of the United States off the ledge from what they're probably going to do in phase. Oh, but five. he's a, he's a fugitive. He's a yeah, fugitive he at is. the end of this. He yeah. gets, bro- he gets broken out of custody. And we're gonna get to we're gonna get to Julie Louis Dreyfus and, and the Contessa. We're gonna get to her in a minute. Tony, you uh, you had some thoughts though about um, sort of the juggling act that they were doing between you know the death of T'Challa and this new threat. You know, at least you look like you had something you wanted to say, kind of in response to that. Do you, do you still have that? No, the, you know we're moving towards the the next chapter, right? With the replanting, right. with the introduction, and everything else, but. At what point? See, it's it's difficult here because how big of a part is this movie going to play in moving forward? Right? What else is coming? I, there's something else that happened in this movie that we don't even realize yet, and we're going to look back and go, "Oh, that was this going to be happening?" Because this was so important. But how important is the next Black Panther movie going to be? Is is Jerry going to be an Avenger? Right? What's the what's what's the is Namor actually the big bad? who takes over Wakanda and, and I know Dr. Doom, right? That's what we're all looking at. But I mean, well, Kang, Kang the Conqueror is really the big name. that's this foot. Right. But out of, but out of things that haven't been introduced, we got Namor. And now what's the next thing is probably Dr. Doom. So I don't know. I just thought that they could have done it a little quicker. That's all. That's all I can say about it. Two hours and 40 minutes is a long time. This probably, you know what? The thing I wanted to say is, I bet you it wins the Oscar. That's a bold statement. I I thought the best chance that think they've about, ever had. Think about the think about the direction. Think about the acting. Think about the story is why everybody loves it. And then think about the significance and the finality of a crossover from that genre into something that could win an Academy Award. When's that going to happen I, I again? Think- I don't know. The last time it possibly could have happened was the Dark Knight, and that you know, for a comic book, it's so hard for certain genres of film. Do you to think Coogler gets Oscar. the best director then instead? Maybe he'll be a nominee. No, I, I, I think I think that I think like many other comic book films, and it's funny. I feel like we're we're in we're into sort of some of the concluding thoughts. I think like a lot of other comic book films it will get recognized for a lot of this and possibly nominated for some of the awards that you're describing, like best director and uh, best, you know, supporting actress, best picture. It's also going to get, it's also going to get nominated for a lot of the technical uh, 
costume design uh, Oscars. So It'll probably get nominated for best score. I could see Rihanna's tune, Rihanna's song getting nominated for best song. She'll get to perform it. Which, show by wind. the way, this movie will way, win. Show win. Director, they're getting three. By the way, it's so interesting to me when I heard that when I heard the Rihanna song when it was um, when it was released. I was like, oh. This is a very nice song. This will sound great during the credits. And then you watch it in the context of the movie, and it's like, oh my god, like fucking Chadwick's picture, and she's singing. Ah, terrible. Was was the best part of the movie for you guys when after the beginning sequence, and they cut to the the Marvel thing they do, the Marvel branding thing they do during movies, and it was silent, and it was the Chadwick kind of that was powerful preview. Because in my theater, which was probably, now granted, we went at noon on a Saturday, so it was a little over 50%. Um, We had people sitting right next to us on both sides. I went with DP, and uh, there was not, you could hear a pin drop in that moment until that had concluded. In a theater that was not louder than it needed to be, but it wasn't quiet. There, but there was... You know, like that was are, that was the got me moment. Sorry, Ray. No, you're good. People can be really shitty, but this I, I have not seen so many respectful people like I have. I've seen the movie twice now. I, I saw it very first showing it open, and I saw it again Saturday. Um, and the the that was the most one of the most telling things to me in the movie was the silence and and the parts that were necessary, like the part at the end when Shuri. Is crying and then it ends and goes in like Patrick mentioned goes into the Rihanna song. Nobody talked. Nobody moved. You know, the beginning. And they had released that Chadwick opening, but right. putting well, it that had, in this. Yeah, they had put it they had put it in front of Black Panther on Disney Plus for a while. Mm-hmm. Like if you watched Black Panther on Disney Plus shortly after his passing for about two months, that was the Marvel open you got for uh, Black Panther, which oddly enough they changed back, and I didn't like that. I was like, why couldn't like just keep it? Like, I don't, they probably I changed it. it back to make it special for this. Maybe, um, and that's yeah. It's it's interesting because it very much. I think people knew going into this movie that a part of this was um, the audience grieving too, right? Like it's mm-hmm. part. Uh, it's part of. We've all been waiting. Like, cause I, I remember our episode shortly after we learned of his passing. Like we did that episode like immediately after he passed and we talked about it then. And it was a lot of what now, what now, what is this going to be? What does it all mean? And that was very much a part of Marvel fans having their opportunity to grieve too. Right. Like everybody had, like, it was, a, it was, a, it was a goodbye like that movie was as much a goodbye to Chadwick Boseman as it was anything moving Marvel forward as part of the MCU. Yeah. And that's why so, Tony Wright might be right about it winning. Cause like, honestly, I can't think they, of another they, movie. I can't think of another movie that has ever been like that. Can you? No, there's nothing's true. ever happened. You asked the question before Patrick and, and it kind of fell on deaf ears, but it didn't. We were listening we just couldn't think of anything. There's nothing that, man, so the person and the character both meant a fucking lot, right? And you lost right. both of them. 
you lost both of them and you memorialized and immortalized both of them at the same time in having this movie. And, and they even yeah, did it the same way. There's they, nothing. They even terrible. did it the same way Chadwick did it. Too. Like, like outside it, of that, it, we learned very, very that, late that he passed of cancer. Like they even like T'Challa died of an undisclosed illness. Like only, basically yeah. Chadwick Boseman died of an undisclosed the only difference, illness. Very the late. only difference is they went a little bit too long and we didn't have Chadwick Boseman long enough. Well, and like, 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 so, they even mention it in the movie that T'Challa didn't tell Shuri about it till it was pretty much too late. Too late. Right. She couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. So, well, and so let's get into the other major journey then in this movie, because as Ray pointed out, this is Letitia Wright's movie. Uh, and this is Shuri's journey as much as it is anybody else that was associated with. There's, there's two characters that their significance and importance have changed so much. Um, as a result of this movie, in my opinion, and that is that is Shuri, and whatever happens with her, and Mbaku, because mm-hmm. uh, Mbaku goes from like consider that character in Black Panther, where he is a, and even in you know the Avengers uh, Infinity War film where he you know he plays a, a role, he goes from this like braggadocious, blowhard, you know, tough guy to he is like the he's like the elder the he's like the one giving sage advice and is the elder at the end of this he's the one advising shuri on what to do next and it's amazing that transformation like winston duke like again knocked it out of the park and like is mbaku the ruler of wakanda now yep because you look at the end of that movie Challenge Day, he shows up for Challenge Day in Shuri's place, in her vehicle, and says, you know, I challenge. And everybody's okay with it. That's the other thing is everybody's kind of smiling and nodding when that happens. There, there's a part in the movie, right after Queen Ramonda dies, when Mbaka goes to speak to um, Shuri. And, you know, he gives her respect, says the Jabari land gives you their comfort and whatever. And he asked her, he was like, look, the, the elders came to me and want to evacuate the city. And put everybody in Jabari land. And she looks at him and she says, well, that would be really advantageous for you in the future, wouldn't it? And she was being sarcastic but serious. So I think there was an acknowledgement of, yeah, you're probably going to run this shit. And then when they're in the Jabari lands and he's sitting on his throne and everybody's around him, foreshadowing, right? Marvel oftentimes tells you the answers to the, to the questions before you even know what the questions are. We never question that. And no, at no point in that movie did Shuri ever could ever consider herself or call herself the leader. Never once. Even after Namor killed Ramonda and looked at her and he looked at her and said, You're queen now. From that moment to the end, she never called herself queen. She never said, I run the country. It was all about becoming Black Panther and all this, that, and the other. And Baku is the king of Wakanda now. I'm I'm certain. Even and it's well learned. Ray, even to your point where she explains, I didn't hang up on the queen. I hung up on my mother. Like, this is a family thing. This isn't, yeah. like, about power. And she never, But she's right. never wanted any of that. She always wanted to just hang out with her big brother and do her lap. You know, be the, whatever the title is of the queen of, or the leader of science, whatever it's called do, over there. Do you think that's more of a point to where we're going to see her be the Black Panther for the Avengers before we see the last thing we'll talk about in the movie? Well, you know? I'm yeah, 
I'm glad you mentioned that because now that Shuri is the Black Panther own right and the king or the leader of Wakanda usually becomes also the Black Panther. And Baku might be Black Panther too, bro. Well, they planted the they planted the plant, they planted the flowers, the seeds of they're sowing, they're glowing. Uh, the R shaped herb, yep. Dave, jump in there. What do you got? Uh as far as Mbaku, yeah, I think I think Ray's onto something. I think that, you know, Siri or not Siri, Shuri, Siri. Uh, Shuri's uh, gonna be, you know, very busy doing what what she she's a reluctant a reluctant leader, and I think you hit it on the head. She didn't want the job, she didn't want the mantle. She felt a, a sense of responsibility that was I- emboldened by a mix of grief and and the desire for vengeance that she eventually kind of overcomes that at the end. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the notion of Mbaku taking on you know, you know the the idea of there being multiple Black Panthers. Um, I don't think that really conflicts with anything that we've ever seen in, in the comics. And even if it did, it wouldn't matter because Feige likes to march to the beat of his own drum. So I, I, I think, yeah, the, 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 the how Wakanda is going to move forward and, and who's going to be in charge and how that's going to develop. And this alliance that is likely going to happen between Wakanda and, and Telecon moving forward um, is going to be one of the more fascinating aspects of where we go in phase five. Should Nakia have been Black Panther? No, no. Why not? Because that's not her thing. She, Nakia is a spy. Nakia is very comfortable in her role. And Nakia, the fact that T'Challa told her to go away, and she was cool with that, the fact that when we first find her, she's gone from Wakanda, her entire thing has been yeah, I love Wakanda, and I'm there if you need me, but this ain't where I need to be. I need to be doing my own thing. The The leader of Wakanda needs to be someone who is a thousand percent in, for, and with Wakanda. And Nakia isn't always that. Yeah, and to jump on what Ray's saying, I mean, T'Challa and her agreeing, hey, you need to go away, take take the kid with you, get away from this whole thing. And then, of course, the snap happens, and that interferes with the... Uh, certain things but yeah I, I think you know be, her being black panther at that point would be kind of counter to what t'challa really wanted and she wasn't about that okay i would be disingenuous if i didn't think for a moment or five i was like is she because sure. I, I i i i thought like that was played up pretty well uh and again because it was something that shuri did not want and then, you know, when she takes the herb, let's talk about the greatest cameo that we didn't, I, none of, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. I was surprised. Hey, kids, you wanted Michael B. Jordan in, in Wakanda Forever. You got Michael B. Jordan in Wakanda Forever as he was the dead king that was seen by Shuri when she went into the astral realm to see her ancestors. Um, and you see what vengeance and the desire for vengeance and rage has done to Shuri as she can as she battles with herself whether or not to be like Killmonger or more like her brother. And, and it eventually finds a way in between. But great, great work by Marvel and everybody involved. I'll keep that guy I was like, oh shit, that like comes around the comes comes around to the throne. And it was funny because I never expected to see, uh, I never expected to see Ramonda on that throne. 
but I didn't expect to see Michael B. Jordan. I thought that was great. Dave, you go first this time. Yeah, that was unexpected and a very pleasant surprise. And his his delivery to Shuri, which is scathing in many ways, but very honest and just kind of laying it out for her exactly, you know, you thought I was this, you know, terrible tyrant, but let me tell you exactly, you know, what this is all about. And and I think it was, you know, sometimes it, it, it wasn't what she wanted, but it was definitely what she needed at that specific moment in time was to have confronted by Killmonger, not her mother, not some visage, you know, some spirit of her brother, ancestors, father, anything like that. Killmonger was the perfect person for her to run into at that specific moment. I thought they did an excellent job of that. And I, I like the fact that, you know, he pointed out, and you, you can tell from his delivery that he has an, a lot of respect for T'Challa, but he did point out that he was too noble and that got him in trouble and that sort of thing. And the whole reason that the herb was destroyed was because he was too noble and that sort of thing. So I thought that at that moment, it was a surprise, but it was likely the exact entity she needed to encounter at that specific moment to push the story forward to where she needed to be. And so I thought that was a brilliant move on Marvel's part. Tony. Yeah, I mean, Sorry. like, mean no, that's fine. No, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, like Dave said, I just didn't expect Dave to be done that quick. That's like, no offense, Dave. Um, <laughs> that was not what I meant there. I, figured, <laughs> I, I thought that last sentence was going on a little longer. Um, I, the gods don't care what you think or want. They're going to give you what you need. And that's the point that Dave was making, right? She was going to the ancestral plane to see who she needed to see, not who she wanted to see, not who you wanted to see. You don't agree, Ray? Yeah, exactly. It's that opposite, but continue. Tell me why. You, that you go see who you want to see. Well, for her, she needed to see someone. Is that who she wanted to see, or is that who made the biggest impression on her because she hadn't been had that much experience with many of the other ancestors? Well, first and foremost, let's talk about the fact that she didn't even believe in the astral plane to begin with. She's a child of science, so she didn't believe in it. The only reason, I don't want to say the only reason she took the herb, because she clearly wanted to be Black Panther, but she wanted to see her mom again. That was the whole purpose of it. She wanted to see her mom again, but she saw Killmonger because her desire for vengeance was more than her desire to see her mom again. And the vengeance was represented by Killmonger. And even then, when they were talking, he said to her, you know, she she tried to talk about her mom, and he was like, don't talk about your mom at that he said, uh, she tried to say that this is all his fault. He was like, no, understand your mom was a G. She saved the child from the, from the, from the lost, from the, she gave up her life from the child for the lost tribe. But so to my point then though, she didn't get to see what she wanted to see. She saw what she needed to see. She saw what she, no, we can semantics all we want. She saw no, what she because wanted to see most. She want, she saw what she wanted to see most. The way the astral plane works from what it's been described and explained in Black Panther and in in this movie, is when you die, not die, when you take the herb and you get buried, you go talk to, that's why um, Killmonger, if if really Killmonger should have, when he took it, if he is what he wanted, if he what he needed to see, he should have talked to um, T'Chaka, but he saw his dad because that's what he wanted. You see what you want to see. The thing is, she I'm didn't understand. It was different for her. It okay. We're going back and forth. We're killing time. You see what you want to see. Her. She didn't understand in her grief. Her 
The entire movie is about Shuri not allowing herself to grieve. The very beginning, when they see Namor, it's because her mama took her the year after his death, but Shuri hadn't grieved yet, to take him to go be- to <coughs> excuse me go burn the ceremonial garb. She couldn't do it. She didn't want to grieve. So she wasn't allowing herself. All of us have had that moment where we've lost somebody or something where we didn't want to deal with it like it was real yet. Shuri didn't want to deal with her grief. So her grief was so overwhelming after she had lost T'Challa. And then she lost her mama on some bullshit. That's technically her fault because, I mean, she shouldn't have done it, but she could have easily just said, well, here's the kid. I'll see you later. But she wanted to name her, right? Mom killed for it. So while she thinks with her conscious mind, I want to see my mom, her subconscious is like, burn this shit down. That's why at the end of it, when when we see the end, when we send the, see the end of it, when they go back to it, she says, I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. And then she sees her mom later on before she killed, before she's about to kill Namor. So in a shocking twist, I agree with Tony. That's fine. I, I see it differently. Uh, and, and I, I don't know. I think that uh, I, I actually think Killmonger saw his dad because he needed to see his dad. And that was the, the push that he wanted that where, where he needed to go. I think that Shuri saw Killmonger because she needed to see. I think I think T'Challa in his second taking of the heart shaped herb saw the entirety of Wakanda rulers because he both wanted to and needed to. So I don't know. I think it's a fun discussion to have. I just think it's it's two different ways to look at the same thing. And I actually don't think that there's a wrong or right answer to it. Um, but I agree. I do agree with uh, Tony on this one for a change. But that's that's today. I usually disagree with Ray as, just, as he responded. I'm with just an afterthought here, Tony. I started the whole thing, but I'm an afterthought. That's OK. It's all right. So, this, this well, Dave, nobody point. fair enough. Yeah, Dave. So, okay. So take a side, Dave, please take a side. I started the whole thing by saying that I thought that she saw Killmonger because she needed to see him, not because she wanted to see him. Tony agreed with me, but that here's the thing I'll throw out. That's irrelevant. So, so the three white guys. Yeah. Here's the other thing I want to throw out. We don't, it's Ray, 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 hold on, Dave, Ray, Ray, sit there and let us tell you Black Panther actually means. Okay. That's right. Yeah, Ray. I I will say that if we learned one thing, from Moon Knight, it's that we don't really understand how the afterlife works. And and I think that's part of part of this as well. We can interpret it. Here's how I'm interpreting it. We don't know how the afterlife really works or what was the machinations behind. You know, like she yeah, she sees her mom at a point where she's not, you know, under the influence. I mean, she's under the influence of the heart shaper, but it's not the ancestral plane. So really at that moment, I'm seeing this person at this point in time for another reason that's unexplainable. And I think, you know, with the introduction of the afterlife and Moon Knight, you got to kind of take some of this with a grain of salt and say, well, you know, you got to relax the rules a little bit because we don't know how all this plays together. So, uh, okay, I'm going to move on um, to to the other big uh, story that is part of this movie because there's so many threads and so little time to hit all of those threads. We got to talk about uh, Namor, or I'm sorry, Namor, depending on who's pronouncing it. Um, we've got to talk about, I can't even pronounce his name. Can somebody help me? Is it Tanakh or Tanok? Tanok Huerta. Tanok Yeah, who plays uh, Namor in this uh, 
film. I thought again, he was terrific. I think uh, Ray, you Ray, you or Tony hit on it. There's Ray uh, about just not only does Brian Coogler really needs to be in charge of some more shit when it comes to making Marvel movies because he, I think, has done so well in not only introducing whether it be a character or a people, but giving real life to those characters and people. And, and in this case, you know, giving we 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 learned. We, you know, with Wakanda and learning the history of oppression that surrounded Africa, we then get to see that again, told through the eyes of Namor in a history of oppression in South America. And the legend of how his people came to be brings brings this whole world to life so that when you're seeing it with Shuri, you Get him. And that's the other thing is you get why Namor is who he is. And, and I'm going to even take this a step further. I think if Ryan Coogler would have directed the Eternals, we would be more okay with the Eternals and their story. I, I absolutely, because I think he would have told and written. I like the Eternals too. Like I enjoyed it. Uh, but I think that there's a lot, there were a lot more holes in the Eternals as to why they were so not involved with anything. That, that didn't get explained in kind of a satisfactory way, I think Coogler would have found a way. That's my argument. Uh, Tony, I'll let you start to discuss and then go Ray, then Dave. Why don't we... He's going to do it again. Rebooing you. I, I, I hit play by accident. My bad. Not sure. Ray, what actually? Ray, why don't you start? You sure? Yes. Um. Well, there's a lot to expound. I I don't want to take too much time, but I I have a lot to say about Namor. First and foremost, the idea of Atlantis from real life lore, right? Um, being kind of in the Mediterranean, being an offshoot of some Greek or Roman or someone of those empires, right? Apparently. In Mayan, apparently in, in Mayan culture, Talokan is an underwater empire. So, like, he st- even still stuck true to the actual character when he changed it from being a Mediterranean thing to a Mesoamerican Mayan thing with the same idea of why Atlantis exists. That's amazing to me, number one. Number two, the way Namor got his name in the, in the movie the child without love is the most gangster shit you will ever see. He's like, I like that shit. I'm keeping that. I love that. Um, uh, the way Telokan was, you know, that they were they were kind of stuck behind the eight ball and beholden to the fact that DC did an underwater uh, empire first. So Telokan couldn't look like what they did at Atlantis and DC. It had to look different. Right. But it had to be its own thing. And to stick with kind of the Mayan tropes and the Mayan ideas was amazing. Um, but I think and I'm jumping out the window here. So forgive me. You guys will probably disagree. Like always, I get booed, whatever. Never in my lifetime. And again, I completely acknowledge this may be recency bias. But never in my lifetime can I remember 
a character that was so perfectly encapsulated by what the spirit of the cap- the character was, like Namor was in this movie. Because the true spirit of the character of Namor is, I don't give a fuck about nothing what I want. He can be, in one breath, the most loving, giving person. The way he invited Shuri down, genuinely showed her his people, like, really, like, treated her like, royalty wears this garb. We made this for you real fast. Like, genuine. And then, like, the next breath, he's like, yeah, I'm killing the whole world now. You what? You down? You don't give When he killed Ramonda, and then after he killed Ramonda, he was like, you could see him be like, well, damn, that was fucked up. Barry, you're dead. Mourn your losses. I'll be back in a week to kill the rest of y'all. It's just so perfectly encapsulated to be Namor. And to know Coerta played it perfectly. Um, I, and I appreciate that they didn't... Namor, much like any of the underwater people, can be a little funny, weird. So what Jason Momoa and now what Huerta has done for those roles, they've made beautiful. Shout out to the... And I love how Atuma's a fucking shark. Clearly you can't do that, but my boy got the shark hat. Just like M'Baku can't be a real ape, so he got beautiful, beautifully done. Beautifully done. All right, I'll, I'll take my turn here. I, I'll tell you this. I wish I would have seen this in 3D because of the underwater and them riding the the mammals, the whales and, and, and the killer whale and, and the rest of the things going on under there. In addition, I think they did a better job of doing Aquaman with the sub Mariner, Mariner, how you guys want to say it, Mariner, whatever you want to Mariner, say, it's up to you. Uh, because, because they made him more cut and dry. He's cut and dry with his decisions, right? Who is? It's N- like Namor or, or Aquaman. Namor. Okay. Namor, for sure. Right? Like uh, Jason Momoa is all up in his feelings about what he wants to do and doesn't know if he wants to come to the shore to meet Batman and everything else and. Here we have a man who knows exactly what he wants for his people and what he wants to do about it. And I think he's a lot more important than we think he is just because of what we've been dealing with in this whole two hours and 41 minutes. And we haven't even talked about the fact that he's a mutant, but that I'm sure. Right. Well, he called. Yes. And that's the first thing. So DP and I got to the bar. DP and I got to the bar after the movie. And we're like, I looked at him. I go, there's your mutant, right? He's like, that's a start. Tried to get him on here today. Failed again. But, I mean, they already well, established he, mutants exist with Miss Marvel. So that was no great revelation. They, they've been... Hell, even continues. before the movie played... So even before the movie hit, they were talking about Namor being a mutant. Like, this has been chattered about forever. Yes, Marvel is just very progressively building mutants into the MCU. And, you know, whether it was teased with a Professor Xavier cameo to Kamala Khan to now Namor, we're getting, like, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. It's incremental. And I think that the don't care how I want it now crowd needs to relax, Dave, and just be ready. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's trailers. Oh, you, you don't ever demand things immediately. You never give me what I want. That's not been you ever never. at all. I just copy Ray Instagram. every time. Why are we put this all on Ray today? We're not putting it all on Ray. You can own your behaviors. Own your behaviors. Anyhow, 
Uh, stop it. We're all racist. Superman punch. Uh, what? Superman punch. Here's the thing. I um, I think it's interesting because you know inevitably people are going to talk about Namor and Aquaman to go back to the Namor and Aquaman comparison. Uh, even though they're vastly different characters in terms of how they're portrayed in their comics. And my favorite moment with Namor in the whole film is the very end when he is painting that picture of his defeat. And he's like, sure, we're aligned with them because it's good for us and we're going to fuck them later. Like he basically says it. He's like, they're going to come crawling to us. We're going to save them, and then we're going to take them. Like, it's awesome. He doesn't even say that directly. He just puts it out there. Don't kid yourself into thinking that he yielded to Shuri for any reason other than an advantageous (laughs) angle that he was playing towards. Yep. Not at all. Not at all. Greg, go ahead. I was going to say, I mentioned this to you privately, but if there's I have no criticism to this movie. But there's one thing I would have I would have liked to see different was that of Nomura talking about that questioning him at the end of the movie. Right. I would have liked to have liked for it to have been Atuma because we know yeah. us comic readers know Atuma really hates the shit out of Namor. Yeah, Atuma and Atuma and Namor are rivals in the comic uh the comic universe, along with Tiger Shark as Atuma's kind of lackey. They uh but the irony is you know who uh, who uh, Black Panther is one of his number one enemies is in the in the in the comics, Mbaku. Oh really? So, no. yeah, yeah. Mbaku is the mandate. Oh. Yeah, you knew that, Dave. Yeah, I thought you were saying something else, but no. no I, what is no, 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 no. was interesting is like you know the drawing the comparisons between Namor and Aquaman. That this version of Namor is like Aquaman in Throne of Atlantis or or the Trench War sort of thing, where he decides to wage war on the surface and that sort of thing. But, so no, 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 no. This Namor is Marvel Namor. Yeah. There's like yeah. I don't want a, he's not a parallel to Aquaman. They, like, they've never like been parallels the, to each other, other than they're both exactly. kings of Atlantis. Underwater, That's it, yeah. you know. But but you know, people are people. Readers are readers. Okay, we're running we're running up on uh, the end of this show. Want to get to the post credit scene? There was only one. Uh, it was the revelation that uh, T'Challa and Nakia have a child. His name is Toussaint, but it's Ooh. really T'Challa. Relax, Ray. I was getting there. I was gonna quote the whole thing man give it up on me so quick what does this mean ray cash not a goddamn thing okay <laughs> I, I i do i am not of the believer that marvel is so forward thinking that 20 years down the line this kid is gonna grow up and be the next like I, it's possible and they may still do it and they have marvel's you know, they, never marvel's never time skipped no, they have time skipped. They they're, liter- no, they're, they're literally go- they're literally about to fuck around with time with Kang the Conqueror. This is very true. This is very true. But I just think it was more. I think to me, and again, I am happy. I would happily be wrong. To me, yeah. this just felt like a response to the people who complained. Why don't you recast him? But we got he he was recast in a sense with his own with his own blood. So I just feel like that was to me a way to 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 answer that question to that group of people and still tell the story that made the most sense for the story. Tony, what do you think of this uh, this reveal, this revelation? 
I think it was very strategically done so that they could do what they want to do with the character moving forward, whether or not they move forward in time or whether or not they just give it time for that to happen. You know, five years from now, you'll probably be okay with fast forwarding 20 years from now. You can't do that if you didn't plant that seed now. It also gives you a really nice moment at the end. It does. I 100%. 100%. Dave, your thoughts on this last scene? I thought it was brilliant. I, I thought it was brilliant because it gives Marvel so much flexibility as to what direction, things that they want to do with this thing. Because from a story perspective, you know, Shuri is the reluctant Black Panther. So what's to say that at some point she doesn't want to say, I don't need all this shit. Let me give it to my, let me give it to the prince. Let me give it to my nephew. Let me give it back to T'Challa. Let him run with this thing. So it gives some flexibility in that respect that you can pass the mantle on to the rightful heir, you know, and that sort of thing. Also, you got to remember real world injecting back into this thing. Letitia Wright magnificent performance in this movie but we all know leading into this thing not without a lot of controversy so maybe marvel somewhere was, was that thinking, controversy real or contrived i'm not talking to, i'm not talking about the accident i'm talking about the comments that she made and some of the things that she got i, I am too okay like, I, i'm absolutely i'm absolutely talking about and it. I, I don't know if it was real or post. contrived but i think they hedged their bet here a little bit to say look if we run into a lot of issues again we've got an out and I think that was very smart of them to do that, just in case. Uh, I, I It was interesting because there was a lot of noise and then it went away. Like, whether that's because she went dark and quiet or what. Um, I personally, uh, while I don't love the batshit crazy stuff that was kind of coming out of the social or whatever, I also think she didn't go full Gina Carano on it. And that saved her job. Yeah, But it was close enough to Gina's that there was a concern that okay wait a minute and you don't think that it was maybe, very close you think that maybe they're trying to give themselves an escape by doing this post credit sort of maybe thing? it's possible i will say the other thing i appreciate about this credit scene to get it back to the movie itself is it gives a plausible reason why nakia is nowhere to be seen from black panther onward because you don't see like she doesn't appear in infinity war she's one of the few that doesn't appear in infinity war endgame uh, she doesn't go to the funeral. It answers those questions. It was a very nice way for Ryan Coogler to tie up a ton of questions surrounding that character. Very T'challa, well. T'Challa made it known to her, and she accepted it and, and agreed that right. her number one priority was raising this child. This is That's what I love maybe about Marvel more than anything. I mentioned it earlier, but I, I, I want to mention it again. Marvel gives you the answers to the questions before you even know it's a question. We right. all had wondered, well, where the fuck was Nakia? Right. Right there in front of you, but we just didn't think about it because we didn't even know it was a thing to think about yet. Well, and, and who knew that they knew that? It was, I mean, it wasn't a thing to think about it probably until Chadwick Boseman passes away, right? Very possible. Very like, possible. That's, that's the other part of it. So, all right. And, and he sent her away Time. without even knowing about the snap. You know, so she clearly right. her, her and, and T'Challa Jr. will call him uh, survive the snap. Obviously, it, it's interesting to me. Like, I wonder if we're going to get some backstory. Clearly, the snap had to affect Telecon as well. Um, but we didn't get into Maybe. too much of that. Good point. No, we don't know. 
Um, but what we do know is that we've cut, we're coming up on the end of the show and it's time to give our overall feelings about this. Let's, uh, I think it's a bandwagon approved, but on a scale of mole man to Dr. Doom, where do we rank black Panther Wakanda forever? David Ungar. Oh, it's, it's Dr. Doom for sure. I I mean, I, even if it's not, if it's not my favorite, it's second. So yeah, Dr. Doom. Dave's going full 10, Dr. Doom, PC Tunney. I give it a Burgess Meredith. It's not quite Eartha Kitt or Cesar Romero, but uh, it's up there. It's a good Sir, movie. Sir, that is the just... wrong family of villains. I have my own one. You you asked me, and I emailed you. You never responded. I did what you wanted to put in a I, I, I suggestion. I talked you up on the you fucking show, You put out a suggestion box, and it turned out to be a garbage can. I'm running with what I got over here. I announced it's it to movie, the bandwagon. Just a little long. Just a little long. No, you get a boo. You get a boo for acting like I shunned you. I shunned nothing, sir. There was no shunning. You said on a scale of Egghead to Lex Luthor, if I do recall, and I complimented you on these internet airwaves about the DC scale. Ray Cash, on a scale of Mole Man to Doc Doom, where do you rank Black Panther Wakanda Forever? Doctor Doom and Secret Wars when he took to be artist power, like as good as you can get. So I like it a lot. I give it a solid Wilson Fisk just underneath a Doctor Doom. And for those of you who know how I feel about the Kingpin, you know where that ranks in my villain nomenclature. All right, gentlemen, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Excellent conversations about Wakanda Forever. Glad that we were able to get a lot of different thoughts, feelings, opinions, even if Tunnies were wrong. So as we head out of here, quick once around the table, tell everybody where they can find you on the social medias and on the Chairshot Radio Network. We'll start this week with the aforementioned wrong guy, Mr. PC Tunney. Uh, You can follow me at PC Tunney. Make sure you're listening to everything Chairshot Radio Network on all your favorite streaming platforms. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chairshot. David Ungar, who was less wrong than Tony, but still a little wrong. I'm not sure how, but okay. Uh, tune in next week when Tony, Cristobal, and I burn Lock yeah, and Key to the fucking ground, man. It. It's going to be awesome. Cue the Seth Rollins music, baby. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. Patrick's gone. Sorry. Anyway, facebook.com slash attitude of aggression. There you go. And rounding out the bandwagon, the least wrong of them all this week, anyway, Mr. Reverend Raymond S. Cashington, the third Esquire. Hit the button. Go ahead. No, no, I'm not going to hit it today. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. I swear to God. It's Rick it's re- Cash. Hands up. And it's Rick Cash. Hands up. That's all you got? All right. Well, and as the least wrong member of the bandwagon, you can follow me at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can listen to me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, though this Tuesday, um, no hockey talk. Dave went to Vegas. Jerk. Anyway. Somebody had to represent. They have hockey over there. They have a hockey team. Which is funny because ever since we stopped doing hockey talk on the regular, the Blues started winning hockey again. So maybe we'll just end hockey talk permanently. Just kidding. Back to musical chairs Uh, early. Back to musical chairs. 
You can also listen to me on Monday here with these guys on the bandwagon, Tuesday with Dave on Chair Shot Radio, and then Wednesday talking wrestling with Greg DeMarco on the Greg DeMarco Show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That is going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and go check out Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Terrific, terrific film. And as I think we can all agree, it's Bandwagon Approved. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Thanks for everything you are, for everything you were, for always taking care, for always making sure, for never giving up, for never giving in. You are the place is amazing. The air is pristine. And the water. My mother told stories about a place like this. A protected land with people that never have to leave. That never have to change who they were. What reason do you have to reveal your secret to the world? I am not a woman who enjoys repeating herself. Who are you? I have many names. My people call me but my enemies call me Namor. Get out of my dorm. Get out. Hey. I'm warning you, do not take another step toward me. See how they teach the children to treat their guests. Mm. It's all right, princess. Small, small girl. I am going to give you two options. You can come to Wakanda, conscious or unconscious. You need to be conscious of the way that you look. Walking around here with that ash on your head. <laughs> oh, it's funny. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. I told you. You look good. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.